Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. But I want to jump right into some goal setting. Who's excited about that? <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not talking about resolutions, but, but actually setting your heart toward God in faith to be open to be led by Him and it being a natural expression of what you want and what He wants and those paths merge together and you are influencing people for Jesus, pointing them to Him by just naturally doing what you do. Sound good? Let's figure out how to do that, right? So this week, I'm starting a new series on, I'm just calling it, Why Am I Here? You ever wondered that? Why am I here? Why am I here? What are we here? You know, all the evangelists in the room are like, really? We're here again? We're sitting in church again? You just have to realize, you know, this is a place of community and encouragement and worship, and we gather, and we get to see these smiling faces, and and get built up in who we are in Christ. But I, want to, I just want to talk about for the next four or five weeks. Today, I'm just going to kind of give you kind of a, a buckshot overview of where we're going over this next series. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a lot of things to think about. I don't have a nice, pretty little bow. I'm not coming down to one simple little theological point, you know. But we're just going to, you're going to go out of here thinking today kind of evaluating some things, not, not getting introspective. You know, I don't want you to look back over the last year and think, well, I didn't do nothing. You know I mean? Because it's easy to do that. You get to the end of the year and, and you just think, well, I didn't really do much last year. If you think that, just use it as motivation, but remember who you are in Christ. So that, that's what this whole series is going to be. It's, it's just an exploration of the paradox that we're living in the middle of. That is, we are firmly rooted in Christ that is where we get our identity from. In fact, it's like here, as we go through this series of goal setting and discovering purpose and discovering call, we want to leave our head in heaven. In other words, you want to stay spiritually minded as you begin to try to put meat on the bones of your spiritual calling. We don't want to get carnal and, and too worldly driven on success and all this stuff. But we do want to live in that paradox of resting in Him, knowing that we're complete in Him. Your righteousness is a settled issue. You are holy because you have been cleansed by the blood, by the blood of Jesus. You are indwelt by the Spirit of God. You've been given a new heart. And whether you do another thing again for God or not, you are pleasing to God because you're in Christ if you've said yes to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Religion would have you think otherwise, that God is only as pleased with you as your behavior allows him to be. God's not looking at your behavior to determine how he feels about you. He might be looking at your behavior to decide how he's going to lead you to transform, but never to hold your sin against you, never to judge how spiritual you are, and never to determine how much he's willing to do for you. Because here's the secret. He's already given you everything in Christ. So our responsibility is just that, is a response. He's given us the ability to respond. You never abandon grace. You never jump into the flesh and start 
you know, developing carnal goals and just going after money and all that kind of stuff. But on the flip side, you don't just kick back and eat Cheetos and say, God, bring me stuff. Because that's what happens. Sometimes people that start to wake up to this, that there actually is a new covenant. Some people kick and scream and say, well, don't be putting me back under works. Let me explain that there is actually a difference between dead works and works, or dead works and good works. One of the foundations of the faith in Hebrews, I think it's in 6, says that, one of the, that like the very first thing that you are to do is repent from dead works. In other words, change your mind, turn away from dead works. Dead works are the things that you feel like you have to do to get from God what he's actually already given you in Jesus. A dead work is something that you might do to get more favor from God, like writing a big check or something like that, or praying for more people or whatever, or being nice to your wife. You know, you might think, okay, God's going to be nicer to me if I'm nicer to my wife. No, that's a carnal thinking. God doesn't judge you by your behavior. He judged you by Jesus' behavior, and he was perfect. Amen? So you're acceptable in Jesus. <clears throat> so a dead work is what you do, what you think you have to do to get something from God. But a good work is, I am acceptable to God because I, my, I'm all in on Jesus. Me by myself, yeah, I'm in trouble. I'm all in on Jesus. Now let's live from that place. So then, therefore, you're actually created to, unto good works. So over this next month, we're going to look at what is it that we can put our feet to? What is it that we can define in our hearts and in our minds and move toward to see our calling fulfilled. So we're going to look at the difference between your purpose and your calling, your dreams, and we're going to try to dissect the American dream theology out of living our dreams and just throw it away. And I'll explain what I mean by that. But I'll just kind of give you the foundation from the beginning, and that is your purpose is not determined by what you're supposed to do. Your purpose is determined based on why God created you. You understand that? So in other words, if you were standing in front of God and you said, why did you make me? Why did you create me? What do you think he would say? That's right. You guys are good. The reason you exist, God's purpose for you is for you to be his child. Now, see, we've been taught these things that your purpose is God created you to do a job. You know, it might not be said that way, but it said, you know, you were created for one thing. And if you find out what that one thing is and you do that, then you're fulfilling the will of God for your life. You've heard that? That's religion. That will keep you disappointed and never feeling like you measure up. God's reason for creating you was so he could have you as his child. You, you are an expression of God's love. And when you receive Jesus, you are born into his family forever. Your purpose is fulfilled. You get that? I mean, it's a big deal. And, and I know it goes against, you know, it's kind of some popular teaching, but your purpose, the reason you're here is fulfilled when you receive Jesus. All right, so having that settled, it's different from your calling. Your calling is now that you're here, now that you're in the family, now that you're rooted, don't forget 
that you don't have to work for anything from God. It's already been given. Now, let's get to work. And, 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 the, and, the, and the hyper, the, I don't use hyper good, but the, you know, maybe the greasy grace are like, ooh, don't be putting me back under the law. No, we're not talking about going back under the law because we're not talking about righteousness. What we're talking about is walking out what God has put on our hearts. Amen? And who doesn't want to do that? I want to be incredibly fruitful. I want to be incredibly effective and accomplished on this planet as God inspires me to move through life and point people to Him. So what I want to do is help you over this next, really, I mean, next, next year, I don't know. We'll see how long it takes. We'll try and get there in a month. You may already be in that spot. But it's a spot where you are in that sweet spot with God, naturally expressing your faith, and it points people to Jesus. I want to help you find the sweet spot where you are just following God, and as you follow Him, it, you are naturally living out the way that you'd live, and that just so happens to be the very thing that God would have you do to point people to Jesus. Does that make sense? Here's the picture that I see. It's like if you're out on a stream, right, or you're out on a lake. Any fish, do people fish, any fishermen in here? I got one, two, I need to change my illustration. <laughs> Four. Four is enough, we're going with it. But imagine this, imagine you're out on a lake, and you've got a boat, you've got a canoe, you're paddling, but you decide you're going to jump out of the boat, and you're going to hold on to the boat, and you're going to kick. And at the same time, you're going to try and fish at the same time. And you're kicking, and you're making the boat move, and you're fishing all at the same time. That's what we try to do when we try to fulfill our call, and we try to live for God. I'm going to live for God. You know, you ever made these declarations? I'm, my, I'm just going to live for God. Every day I'm going to wake up, and all I want to do is just live for Him. Well, He wants you to experience life, and that more abundantly. I'm not saying you don't live for God, but it's like yeah, He created this place for you to enjoy how do you live for God when you're sitting up on top of a mountain enjoying this vast expanse that he created? He just wants you to look at it and say, oh, man, you created this for me. This makes me feel special that I get to sit here and enjoy this creation. There is no living for God, only the recognition of what he's done for you in those kinds of moments. And, I, you know, I, I think we miss those kinds of moments. Or you can get back in the boat. You turn on that little trolling motor and you kick back. And you're in the boat. You're in the family. You are already in salvation. You are accepted. You are loved. You are in Christ. You turn that little trolling motor on and you just coast. You see the difference? This is where we want, this is how we want to live our Christianity, realizing you're in. If you've said yes to Jesus, you're in. You don't have to work to try to fight to please him. And you're not displeasing to him if you miss it by your behavior. It's carnal thinking that thinks that way, that your, your status with God goes back and forth based on your behavior. Does that mean you can sin? No. Does that mean you should sin? Does that make you want to sin? I mean, knowing that you're free in Christ, that God's not holding your sin against you, does that make you want to run out and sin? Why do people think that? Why do people think that you're teaching that, that you're giving people a license to sin if you set them free from the law? I don't, I don't get it. Anyway... So you're in the boat. You're already accepted. And then you got Jesus, who's like, hey, come on over here on this side of the boat. Cast your, 
line over here. Fishing with God, in other words, fulfilling your call, walking this life is easy with Him if you're resting in Him. So we're not going to forget about that as we go forward here. We're not going to forget who we are in Him, that we're rooted in Him, that we're pleasing to Him as we set some goals and, and set our intention toward this next year to see some personal dreams maybe come to pass and walk more closely in the call that God has for you and experience life in that more abundantly. It's okay to have dreams. Just don't mix your dreams with your calling and then season it with the American dream. Because see, we, the American dream, it's all about us. It's all about a false perspective of what it looks like to be spiritual. See, some, some of us have been taught that you're not really spiritual if you're living in lack. Well, you might not be, but the quality or the condition of your life doesn't really determine how much of your dream or your call that you're living. In other words, some people think, okay, well, I will be all that I am when I've got the house, I've got the car, I've got plenty of money, I can take the vacations then I'll be where God really wants me to be. Well, he might want that for you. And I think, in fact, he does want that for you because he showed us that in Abraham. He promised Abraham, you'll live in houses you didn't build. You will reap from uh, vineyards that you didn't plant. And everywhere you walk, that's what's going to be yours. Pretty good promise, right? But it was as Abraham trusted God that he was able to move into and receive those things. The American dream says... You know what? Until I have those things, I'm not really believing God enough or I'm not spiritual enough or my faith isn't working because I'm in debt or blah, 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 blah. Well, it might not be, but you have to shift in your mind the thinking of what it looks like for you to be, to be fulfilling your call or for, you, for your dreams to come to pass and don't measure it against carnality. We're going to start with spiritual and end with spiritual. Knowing who you are in Christ, but then being intentional about walking out your call. So your call pretty much would be where God is leading you. Now, as we go through this uh, series, I'm going to really get down. I've got some questions to, to kind of help you isolate your call. And it's not going to be questions about what do you do really well. Because you've had that, right? You've had those tests. You ever taken those purpose profiles? And it's like, okay, see what God wants you to do is what you're really good at. In fact, there's one thing on this earth that you do better than everybody else, and once you figure that out, then you'll know God's will for you. You ever heard that? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, you take everything that I can do. I promise you there are millions of people on this planet that could probably do, do it better. You understand what I'm saying? The will of God for you is not determined by what you can do really well. The will of God for you is, how am I going to follow God and naturally live out my faith and that point people to Jesus? The will of God really is best understood as a last will and testament. This is what Jesus paid for. This is who he is. These are the benefits that you have in him. These are the benefits of this covenant that you've been engrafted into. I am signing the last will and testament towards you. Now you inherit Jesus. And it's signed in the blood of Jesus. God's will for you is you to receive and experience what Jesus died for you to have. That's God's will for you. 
So I don't want to mix in this idea of God's will for me and our calling and our purpose and our dream. I want to take these things out and look at them separately. Does that make sense? Your purpose is fulfilled when you say yes to Jesus. Man, you're in. Your calling, you walk out. And we're going we're gonna to drill down into that. Now, you might have some dreams, right? You might, it's okay to have dreams that are totally independent from your call or what God might ask you to do. And they're, they're selfish, and it's just because God made this planet for you, and you, you get to enjoy your life. But there's a healthy balance in this. In fact, if you don't have some dreams, and you think you're just going to live for God, you're probably going to end up being one bitter person. If you don't have any fulfillment in life, I'm not talking about fulfillment from the carnality of this world. I'm talking about the kind of fulfillment that comes as you experience this planet the way that God created it through relationships, through the beauty of creation, through just knowing that your God loves you. You know, the kinds of dreams that you have are you getting joy out of enjoying this life, enjoying the creation that God has set up for you. But then again, you might have some dreams that are, like I have a dream, I want to have a global bestseller. That'd be cool, right? Write a book that's bestseller in maybe, let's just say 12 nations. We'll just, we'll just make up a number. How's that sound? At least two. <laughs> but, but it's like, you know what, what if that never happens? Am I, am I not fulfilling my call? Should I take that as a disappointment? I don't think so. So let me ask you, what if you never get to fulfill your dreams? What if they never come to pass? Are you okay with that? Again, today, remember, I'm not putting a nice pretty little bow. I'm asking you some questions because I want you to think. Over this next week, I want us to think, what, what, did I, what, what are my dreams? What do I think my call is? Do I even know what my call is? Is it a revelation to me that my purpose is fulfilled if I receive Jesus? And then we'll, we'll define all these things as we go. I don't want to jump in too fast <clears throat> because it's like, you know, you set a New Year's resolution that you're going to lose, I don't know, however many pounds, and then two days into it, you've already decided to quit and you're back worse than you were when you started. We're not talking about setting resolutions where you're putting a performance yoke on yourself, but getting real with yourself and being intentional about living this life following him. You know, a lot of us, we just, we live like pinballs. You know how a pinball machine, you, you just, you pull that thing back, you shoot that pinball out, and it just bounces around. And that's us in life. You get thrown out of bed, you wake up, and you're just bouncing around, bouncing off the things all day long, reacting. Boom, boom, and you just get thrown over here, and you react and bounce back this way, and then you crash down into the hole at the end of the night, and you're gone. And then wake up the next day, you're shot out of the chute all over again. It's like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live a life where I'm thrust into something that I don't want to do, and I just go around reacting all day long. I want to wake up and tell this world, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. This is what I want out of life. And I've determined that it's, this is what God wants me to do. This is the direction that I'm going. And, then, and you decide what your life is going to be like. You decide what your world is going to be like. You're not a victim of life. Now, sometimes stuff happens. Injustices happen. 
things happen to us that they're out of our control and you got to deal with those things. We live in a broken, fallen world. Stuff happens. But by and large, your life looks like the decisions that you've made. Especially the subconscious ones or the heart level ones that you don't even know that you're making. So we're going to dig through some of those. Let me give you this. If you don't get anything out of this today, you know, again, I'm just giving you some things to think about. But if going into 2016, if you can learn to do this one thing, man, I'm telling you, it will change your life. And that is dealing with your emotions. See, we're pinball machines with our emotions. It's like, okay, here comes this thing is happening to me. And you know what? I feel kind of sad. Why am I sad? And Man, I really feel sad. Wait a minute, maybe I'm just a sad person. I'm depressed. And, and you just run with it. Just because an emotion of sadness rises up within you. Or you can say, you know what? I feel sad. I'm not a sad person. I have joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I don't, I don't mean where you're faking it, you know, where you're, where you're trying to convince God that you're joyful. Because that's usually what we do. We try and convince God of stuff. He's looking at you going... You're only fooling yourself. If you can learn to do this one thing, and that is recognize, take an inventory of the kinds of emotions that you're experiencing, and if it doesn't line up or if it's not the kind of emotions that you want to experience, pick a promise out of the Word of God that establishes you in the truth and meditate on that thing until your emotions change. Man, I'm telling you, it is huge. Can you do that? Will you do that? Because what you're doing is you're writing on your heart. <clears throat> and I promise you, you, well, you know what? Emotions, we don't live by emotions. I live by faith. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you, you do what you feel like doing, and you don't do what you don't feel like doing. Am I telling you the truth? You know it. I mean, let's get real. If, I, if, if I'm feeling this way, you decide how long you're going to let yourself feel that way. Some of us have no clue that we actually can take action over our emotions. It's just, a, it's just a chemical running through your body. Yes, there might be a real situation that is dictating to you and telling you to feel this way, but you don't have to feel that way. You can feel how God feels about you. You can feel how Jesus would feel when he's facing that situation. Because your feelings are going to determine your emotions, and your emotions are going to determine what you're focusing on. And what you behold, you will walk directly into. Hopefully, it's Jesus. So again, if you only remember one thing, learn. Just stop periodically throughout the day, maybe at the top of the hour each hour, and stop and say, okay, how, what, what's going on? What are my emotions? What am I feeling right now? How do I feel? And if you don't like it, Decide how you want to feel. Pick a promise out of the Word of God. Meditate on it until it actually changes how you feel. That will change your life. How many of you do that? Yeah, there's a bunch of us that do that. It's true. It works. And it's the only thing that, well, I'd say it's the only thing. You know, because what we do is we sit back and we're like, okay, God, come change me. Depending on where you are on the sovereignty scale of if God's in control or not, and that's a whole other topic. I like to say it this way. God is as sovereign as you'll let him be. It's like a paradox, right? Yeah, he's sovereign. 
but only to the degree, to the degree that you're going to let him operate in your life. He's sovereign in his domain, in the spiritual dimension. In other words, he is the supreme being. What he says goes is absolutely true and will never not be true in that spiritual dimension. But in this dimension, you have dominion, dominion over your heart. You have dominion over this planet. Now, will you let his sovereignty from heaven filter down through you and touch this planet? That's good stuff. <clears throat> but that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> so we want to move into 2016. Remember, you're in that boat. You're acceptable to God. You are pleasing to him. He loves you. He is for you. He has good plans for you. He has already delivered you from the power of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. All his promises are yes and amen so that you would be a partaker of his divine nature. He has already given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I mean, you're set up for success. You're set up to just wake up and look around and say, I am in the family of God. I am at peace with God. I can rest in life. But the world is broken and hurting so I want to go into this world and be extremely fruitful and touch this place so that people look at Jesus after I've moved through their presence or whatever I've done points them to Jesus. We do that accidentally. And I'm pretty convinced that we follow God more accidentally than we ever do on purpose. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay that you just happen to follow God when you're not even thinking about it. It actually kind of works best that way. But you can arrange your world around you and your inner world, your mind, your emotions, your thoughts, to set you up to be more receptive to God, to walk into the things that he would call you into. <clears throat> but goal setting is extremely valuable because you can dream with God. You can just take time with God and think, okay, I, I would love to see this happen. You know, whether it be personal goals, and, and that's the thing. You can have dreams and goals in all different situations. You can have goals in your personal life, health, finances. You can have goals in your relationships. I would like this to happen. You know, with my wife, by the end of 2016, I would like for this to have happened. I would like for this to have been developed within me. I am setting my intention to trust God for this to be developed within me. And you set very specific goals. And that's what we're going to do collectively over the next month and go into 2016 intentional. You can have ministerial goals, praying that they are actually inspired by what God wants to accomplish through you. But it's absolutely okay to have ministerial goals, you know, like a, this, the church growth and stuff like that. Because you guys know, you've been here long enough, we're not trying to generate church growth. We're not trying to make things happen. What we're trying to do is as growth happens, we just want to properly support it as it grows. You know, we're gardeners, not marketers. So as it's growing, we're just propping things up and putting things in place and making it healthy. And, you know, we got more people coming than three people can stay in touch with now. So we're going to be putting some uh, small groups in place and a little bit more clear path of discipleship. Of, of things that you can take advantage of to just invest in you and, and then as we walk together. But ultimately, to get down to that one spot where you are confident that you are walking in your call following God. Now, 
you got to remove the American dream mindset out of that because what would, I mean, are you cool with working a job but still fulfilling your call at the same time? See, the American dream mindset would say, well, you know what, for me to actually fulfill my call looks like this. I don't work for money. I, checks magically show up in my mailbox and I can just go fishing and some gold comes up out of the mouth of this kind of fish over here and then you know what, I was on my bank account and $900,000 just somehow transferred into my savings account. And, and, and then all of a sudden somebody called me from Texas and they said they were sitting there praying and heard my name and went and found my number and called and setting me up for retirement. Glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, praise God, you know, it's cool if that stuff happens. Who wouldn't want that to happen? But what if it doesn't? What if fulfilling your call means you work nine to five hard at a job that you may or may not like. Can you fulfill your call in the midst of a situation like that? Now, I'm not saying that God needs you to suffer a little bit, so he's going to place you in that job to teach you a lesson. I'm just saying whatever life circumstances you find yourself in, are you committed to fulfilling your call? Now, again, I know I'm kind of setting you up. We're going to dig deeper into how you discover your call uh, and fulfill it as we go over these next few weeks. But I was talking to somebody just this morning. He came up, he said, you know, I know it could be better. I got this job, I don't really like this job, and, but I know this guy. This guy is a hardcore evangelist and everywhere he goes, no matter what he does, he is leading people to Jesus. He is bringing people to church. He is praying for them and seeing miracles. I'm like, man, you are fulfilling your call. You are an evangelist and you're doing it. What's it got to do with this job over here? You, you see what I'm saying? That's removing the American dream mindset of what we think our call is supposed to look like. And no matter what, you're going to walk out your call. Because ultimately, you are a spiritual being. You have received the Spirit of God. All this physical stuff's going to pass away. Who cares what it looks like? Now, God wants you to be blessed. Jesus came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Yes, absolutely, you might be more set up to more in-depthly, is that word in-depthly? more in-depth, I don't know, deeper, fulfill your call if you didn't have to have that job. But don't let things like, don't let the carnality of this world rob your spiritual understanding of you following God right in the middle of where you are. Amen. Set a goal that you want to be somewhere else. Properly steward this physical dimension so that your intention is moving in this direction. Financially, I'd like to be here. Financially, I'd like to have this kind of job or not this kind of job. We'd all love to be in the place where you're not trading hours for dollars. But what if you don't have that? Can you fulfill your call? Are you open to that? Someone's like, but I, I've been waiting to fulfill my call till I was not had a job. You know what I'm talking about. You all thought it, been there. Some of you are right in the middle of it right now. But your call is what you do naturally to express your faith toward God, and it points people to Jesus. Now, how you figure that out, we're going to get into. I'll give you, the, I'll give you the, a tip. There's one question, the first question that you can ask, how do I discover my call, is not what can I do well, what do I do well, but who, who do I love will help you fulfill your, find out what your call is. But I don't want to dig too far into that. This week, I want us to...
Set some goals. What do you want to see happen in 2016? They can be general. They can be, I want to be more healthy. I want to make more money. I want to lead more people to Jesus. I want this, I want that, whatever it is. Not to consume it upon your own lusts and not make sure you don't have the American dream theology into the I want, you know. It's a goal. It's, and, and again, it's okay to have dreams. But this is where I want to go. And just set your heart to it. So also write it down. You guys ever heard the, the Harvard, I think it was Harvard, that did this study on long-term goal setting? Uh, uh, they, they did a study with a particular graduating class. I forget the year. And they, they split them into two different groups. And they had one group write their goals down. They, they had 5, 10, and 20-year goals, I think. I might just be making some of this stuff up. But it was something like this. And they got them all back together, the group that actually wrote their goals down, and then the other group did not write their goals down. They only verbally expressed them. And 20 years later, they brought those two groups back together, and they realized that 70% of what had the one group that had written goals had come to pass, and the other group, it was just like hardly anything had come to pass. It wasn't that they weren't a success in life. It wasn't that they weren't doing what they wanted to do. It was just that what they had determined because they had written it down was more apt to come to pass in their lives. So I think it's the same way with God. A lot of us have this idea of Christianity that it's just too hard to try to hear God. And so we wake up and it's like, all right, whatever happens, God, you just bring to me, I, I'll, I'll, you just bring to me whatever you want to do in my life. And I'm okay with that. That might work for some people, Probably not most of us. What happens is you get down, you start getting older and older, and you're looking back and you're thinking, I don't, I don't know what I've done. I don't know if I follow God. I don't know if I fulfilled my call. I don't even know what my call is right now in the middle of it. But there's something about writing these goals down that sets your heart in a particular direction because you see, you, you have to think about it. You have to, there's feelings that are associated with it. And it's not magic. And I'm not talking about getting into self-effort and abandoning grace and just being carnal. We're just saying, you know what, the way that the human body works and that the mind works and the consciousness works is that the more intentional you are, the more it ensures your success to move that direction. So we want to steward our mind. We want to steward our bodies. We want to steward our emotions. We want to steward our possessions to be arranged to be focused on where we're going, ultimately with Jesus. See, here's the thing. You're already there with Jesus. You're already hidden with him in God. You're accepted. You're not working toward acceptance. You're not working toward holiness. You are those things, so you're working toward fulfilling your call. It's like you're standing in heaven, and as you move, you're moving down to this earth to show this earth what has already happened in you. Does that make sense? And Christianity for too long has been, God's up there. Let me climb the ladder. Let me write a bigger check. You know what, doc? that check needs to be fatter because I need to get up a little bit higher. You know, I need to do a little bit more works. Let's, let's anchor my works a little bit more and get higher and higher and higher. And you think all these things that you do, that's religion. No. That gets you disappointed. That leaves you bitter. That leaves you showing up at a church like this and thinking, why didn't everybody tell me before? Why didn't anyone ever tell me before? You know how many times I've heard that? A lot. Honestly, I've, over the last few years, I've probably heard 50 different people come up to me and say, 
<clears throat> you know, this is what I believed when I first got born again, as far as about God. But, I, but why didn't anybody ever tell me this stuff? Why didn't anybody ever tell me that there was a new covenant? Why didn't anybody teach me about grace and faith righteousness and the power and the blood of Jesus, you know? It's like, well, you, most people start there with the gospel, and then they got to add all this stuff to it. What I'm preaching today could turn into a type of thing where it's like you started with the gospel and you're adding all this stuff to it. But don't let it be that way. Just stay in the gospel. Stay in the good news. It's just that you're deciding, you know what? I want to fulfill some dreams. I want to set my heart toward seeing these things come to pass in my life, and I'm going to be intentional about it. And over the next month, we'll, we'll define the steps a little bit more and a little bit more. <clears throat> some of you are still stuck on the question, is it legal for me to fulfill my call when I've still got a job at the same time? It's okay. Don't be carnal about what you think fulfilling your call looks like. Agreed? Let me read you this passage. This is in um, <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is Paul talking to Timothy. young pastor at the time, and he's giving him some advice. Ultimately, I think what he's saying is stay spiritually minded and hold on to this life that you've been given by God and pastor out of that or live your life out of that. It's interesting. <clears throat> you look at the tone of what he's saying is be at peace with where you are because where you really are is ultimately in heaven already with Christ. Don't judge yourself by the condition of your life. Don't judge yourself by what you have or have not done. Don't judge yourself by what you did yesterday or feel like you can't do tomorrow. Judge yourself by one thing, and that is, how valuable am I to God, and I'm worth the life of Jesus. That's what you judge yourself by. And then you decide, am I in faith toward God with that kind of information in my mind and my heart? And then you look at stuff like this. Verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment, you're just at peace. Go ahead. <clears throat> For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Stay there for a minute. I love this. I mean, you know, what, when, you, when you look at your goals, it, is, it, is it based on stuff that you can't take with you? Or is it based on the kind of impact that you're going to have while you're here? You know, let, let's stay out of the carnality as we're setting our goals, even though it might mean there are things in this life that I get to enjoy while I'm here. The ultimate expression of it is I'm not, I'm not trying to amass to myself stuff. I'm keeping a spiritual mindset about this. You didn't bring anything, anything in, you can't take anything out, verse 8. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Can you say that? I got some food and I got some clothes, I'm good. Maybe some shoes. Maybe a radio, we can listen to some music. Well, no, wait a minute, I need, you know. Honestly, are you content? See, you, he starts with the spiritual mindset. The only way that you can be content 
is if you know that contentment doesn't come from the condition of your life here, it comes from knowing where you are spiritually. All right? But it's okay to want the nice house, the nice car. We're building the house right now. I'm so excited about it because that means we get to have you all over and have a pool party. So, verse 9, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse, stay there for a minute. So, it's all right to want to be rich, but why? In other words, as you're setting your goals, what do you want it to use it for? See, God told Abraham, I am going to bless you because through you, all the nations of this planet will be blessed. Now, that's spiritual and that's physical. We know that it is because God promised him land. God promised him physical things. Part of what God wants for you is not just to live for God, but enjoy this life. I mean, what if there had never been sin on this planet? Think about that. What if Adam had never sinned, if Eve had never sinned, if they stomped that serpent in the ground the first time he stuck his little tongue out, and we lived in a sinless society, everybody's running around naked, (laughs) stop it, because you're not ashamed, you know, right? Because you're just experiencing this planet. I mean, what would your call be then? What would your purpose be then? What, what, would it, what, would, what would it be like for you if you just woke up and you just enjoyed the fruit of the earth and each other and creation and God comes down and walks with us every evening? That's really where we are now as Christians. We're back in that place. Actually, even better than that place because we're in heaven. Adam had not been regenerated and born again. He lost the capacity to have eternal life. We have eternal life. I mean, you know, I don't know. That's such a profound idea to me, that if you, if you think of yourself in that place, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Stay there. Eager for money. It doesn't just mean I want a bunch of it. It means I'm eager about money. You know, money is, is, is an issue for me. And so as you're setting these goals and as you are being intentional about how you want to express God on this planet, ask yourself this question. What would it be like if money weren't an issue for me? Now, probably 90% of people in here, in your mind, for money to not be an issue for you means you have more than you need, right? That's still carnal thinking about it. It's still thinking a dependency on money. Well, if I had enough money, then I wouldn't be eager about it. I wouldn't worry about it. No, I'm just talking about what if, what if money weren't an issue at all? Like you just didn't even think about it. It wasn't a type of thing where you had security in how much you have. Do you see that? Because that's what we think. Oh, if I had plenty, I wouldn't worry about it. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. The deceitfulness of riches works both ways. In other words, if you don't have enough, you think you can't live and experience what God wants you to have because you don't have enough. If you got enough or too much, 
Your security might be in that, and you think, I'm good because I got a lot of money. Well, what if it's gone? What if the economic situation changed and your money was gone? What would you do then? Would you still not worry about money? What if money just weren't an issue at all? Things that make you say, mm-hmm. all right, verse 11. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, not to get righteous, but to live it out. You've already been given it in Jesus. Godliness, faith. Now see, what if these were some of our goals too? And I challenge you to do that. Have some physical goals, but have some emotional goals as well. You want godliness developed within you. You want gentleness developed within you. All right? Verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. In other words, stay in faith toward God. As you move and set these goals and as you move into 2016, don't flip into your own carnal thinking. Don't flip into your marketing mindset. How am I going to make all this stuff happen? Stay in faith toward him. I love this phrase here. I, I mean, I meditated on this for a couple of hours this week when I was reading through this, and it just, it's just something rich here. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. What does that look like? You know, I don't know what that looks like. I don't have a cute little sermon packed around that. But take this scripture. This is 1 Corinthians 6, I mean, 1 Timothy 6, 12. And we'll put it in the email as we send it out. And a reminder of all this goal stuff, you know. In fact, I've got this notepad up here because God told me that we weren't stewarding our homework assignments very good. So... I'm writing them down. I already wrote them all down in the first service so we can get them emailed to you. It's something that we talk about as a staff. None of them are in here. Actually, Adam had to leave early and Caitlin sang twice, but wanting to get that stuff to you to just better, you know, just help what gets birthed on a Sunday. But think about that. Take hold of the eternal life which you are called. that's That's a very purposeful action. There is this life that God has for me, and I can take hold of it. A lot of us, we just sit and wait. Well, if God wants it for me, he'll give it to me. You know, if I'm supposed to have it, I'll have it. Maybe I'm in this job for a purpose because, yeah, I have to work this job to pay my bills, but you know what? I still get to minister to people. You know what? God doesn't have a purpose to keep you somewhere that you don't like. There's no purpose of God in that. That's just where you are in life. Now, in the midst of that, can you shift your thinking into spiritual thinking and still fulfill your call in the midst of something that you might not like, the carnal situation? I think that's a big deal. I mean, I think if we really... I know I've given you several things to think about, and I've seen some head tilts. Oh, think about that differently. Which really is what repentance is, is just to change the way we think. So, again, I don't have a nice pretty bow to put on this. I just want you thinking when you walk out of here. Do I know what my call is? What do I want my goals to be in 2016? What do I want to see happen in my personal life? What do I want to see happen in my relationships? Where do I want to go with God over this next year? As a church, where do we want to go? What do we want to see happen 
with this body toward this community. Will you do that? Will you take some little bit of time this week and just sit down and write some goals? And, it, and if you get confused about it, you don't know how detailed to get, there's so much. Michael Hyatt, michaelhyatt.com has got a, a course on goal setting. It's really good. I recommend going there and listen to his stuff and, and uh, just kind of gives you some parameters on goal setting.